0: All right. You remember the high school and college class where, you know, you would have like this out slip. You know, there would be a question put up on on the whiteboard or something and you would have to answer the question. You would have to write it down and you would like hand it in as you left class. Yes. So we're going to do it in the opposite time frame. This is going to be an enter the podcast question. I'm going to ask it today. I'm going to ask it on Monday and I'm going to ask it on Tuesday. Wow. What team is Juan Soto going to be on next Wednesday?
1: He won't be on a team. I mean, he won't get traded. Basically, so he'll well. be I mean, on the Nationals. He will be on the Nationals. That is my slip that I'm handing to
0: you, Mr. Professor Jack McInnall. Okay, I am handing you a slip that says Padres. So you really think he's going to go to the Padres right, like
1: in the next couple of days? Why? I do.
0: I think Preller's a sociopath, and I think that yeah. this is his. I think Maybe that that's this a little is,
1: far. Maybe that's a little far.
0: I think that Preller <laughs> is uh, a high volume shooter, and that's I more think fair. you're right. And I think that AJ Preller is going to be the one to overpay. I think yeah. that the benefit to trading Juan Soto now and not waiting for the winter, I, I see a lot of that going on. Like, oh, you know, how much worse is the package going to be this off season? Um, it wouldn't be that much worse. But here's the thing: like, I feel like you can whip the right general manager into a frenzy to overpay for Juan Soto. And another
1: high-volume shooter, Hector Gomez, who we love on Twitter, he's been shooting out shots that there are some of the packages are available for Juan Soto, and they're not as expensive as I might have thought. I mean, the Padres, at least the leaked package for Soto, is centered around C.J. Abrams, centered around Robert Hassel, who's currently their best
0: prospect in the minor leagues. It was- Adrian. What? It was Gore, Abrams, Hassel, Morahone, who's working his way back from Tommy John, um, and Joshua Mears. Is that yes. right?
1: Who's their eighth prospect in their system, according to Pipeline.
0: Yeah, but Mears was on the development list. He's got like a 40% strikeout rate. That's not the right guy to add. Um, I'd be shocked if Mike Rizzo said yes to having Mears there um, because he's got insane power. But again, like he was striking out near 50% of the time for the first month and a half of the season. So that'll be really interesting to see, but yeah, that was the package. And then he also threw out a package um, for the Cardinals to go get him to get. Yeah, I have no idea like how reputable that is like that exact package. I don't believe yeah. that they have the exact package out there. Um, but I think that if you have to add a guy like Camposano Um, I don't think they're going to have to add James Wood, but they could. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be A.J. Preller because this feels like his last chance at that big move because he's had prospects develop that he might not necessarily have thought were going to develop like they did. It's hard to hit on back-to-back first-round picks. That's what Preller did with Abrams and Hassel. So if he can package them and turn this team into a World Series winner in the window that he promised, I think he's going to try and do it and That's i think another I team Padres.
1: and i think another team that definitely should be spoken about is not the cardinals i just don't think that they are going to trade their entire farm to get an outfielder when they don't really need an outfielder they don't need they, one they have four good ones i mean even bader has been injured and he's another guy who you could slot right in center and he'd be great too so I do think that the Dodgers will be involved because we said it earlier that they could trade from their farm system or trade big league talent that haven't even played for on their team yet this year, like a Dustin may possibly they'd have to get rid of Gavin Lux. I've seen his name floated a lot, especially in the Hector Gomez report. But my main takeaway from these reports is the package is a bit lighter than I would have thought. And knowing that, I still don't think he's going to get dealt. I think the Nationals are going to wait until the winter, get more teams involved, really take dives into these systems instead of saying, you know what? Juan Soto's gone. We have to trade him now. It's hard for me to believe it. It really is.
0: Yeah, I just think they're going to do it. I think Preller's going to nut up. And when they ask for Camposano, he's going to say yes. And and it's going to be an insane haul for Juan Soto. But uh, by the way, this is the Just Baseball Show. Today's Friday, the 29th uh, afternoon episode, but uh, West Coast man is coming back to the East Coast, so we'll be uh, we'll be all squared away on that front now. Jack, Peter, talking through the Benintendi deal, we're also going to hit on a couple of things that we've seen, and you've got five relievers that you think nobody's talking about that could be on the move and could really help contending teams. Um, before we get to any of that, Lindsay Adler with The Athletic, wrote a piece on Joey Gallo, who looks like his time in New York is over. Um, Gallo will likely be on another team by next Tuesday evening, whether it's trade or whether he's DFA'd after the deadline. They got Benintendi to take the at-bats from Joey Gallo. Um, I screenshotted a couple of quotes here that were just so sad to hear from Gallo. This is from Lindsey Adler again with The Athletic. While Gallo will likely be suiting up for a different uniform uh, in the near future, he knows he will be thinking about his time in New York for the rest of his life. Quote, every time I see a Yankees hat, every time I see a Yankees jersey, it's something I'm going to have to understand. Gallo said at Yankee Stadium on Thursday, I didn't play well as a Yankee. I wish I had more quotes. Gallo said Thursday that he doesn't fully know what, quote, rock bottom looks like in the baseball sense, but, quote, in the major leagues, It's probably close to my experiences in New York, end quote. Oh, my God. That hurts so bad. The man
1: hit rock bottom in New York, similar to what Sonny Gray did in New York and similar to what a lot of players have done. And I think, you know, you see Yankee fans a lot, too. um, They put out, can they handle New York? Can they handle New York? And I feel like in the the rest of the baseball sphere, it's like, why why couldn't he handle New York? But it it is a different beast. These fans booed Giancarlo Stanton for a while. They've booed Aaron Judge at points. They've booed Garrett Cole. They don't care who you are. They care about the production on the field. And when you're not performing on the field, this is the fan base of all fan bases, maybe in sports, that will let you know every single day. It's another beast. I mean, even a guy like Gleyber Torres, when he was down in the mud too, but then he came out of it this year playing shortstop in New York is a really really tough thing to do again one of the hardest things to do in all of sports Joey Gallo has officially hit rock bottom I think even last night's game against the Royals against Brady Singer when he struck out three times and didn't have a prayer facing Edwin Diaz in the last game against the Mets every Yankee fan is watching the screen saying of course he's going to strike out I posted on Twitter, at least Joey Gallo was battling. He only struck out in five pitches rather than three. That's yeah. been the story of Joey Gallo. But at the same time, I am not in the boat where I think Joey Gallo is a bad player. I think it's been the result of New York. So when Joey Gallo gets traded in a couple of days to the Brewers, or you know, there's been a re- possible rumors of the reunion to the Rangers, maybe even the Padres, don't expect a really bad Joey Gallup. Don't expect a, you know, a terrible player to even yeah. say it lightly of what he's performed like this year. He's yeah. still a good player. He gets on base. He He plays good defense in the outfield and he can hit a lot of home runs. I do think that he will be better for another team. I just don't think it's going to work in New York and he'll be gone within a week and it's they sent down tim lacastro the yankees did to make room for ben Attendee. i'm assuming tim lacastro will be back up once this move is officially made
0: yeah so i understand that it's a different beast playing in new york and playing in philadelphia than it is playing in any other market in baseball and in sports it it takes a certain type of guy to be a new york nick it takes a certain type of guy to be the quarterback of the Giants or the Jets. And we'll see if if Daniel Jones or Zach Wilson has it. Um, I New think York, we know if Daniel Jones has it. I think we know if know. Daniel Jones has it. But like Philly, too, it takes a lot of gonads to be the quarterback for the Eagles. Um, yep. I mean, I I understand that they hold their players to a high standard. I understand that if you don't meet that standard, you're going to let them hear it. Um, but to hear this guy and, you know, this is a great article from Lindsay, Lindsay Adler at the athletic Again, she wrote it on Joey Gallo today. Um, so go ahead and read that if you have an athletic subscription, but he got into how his headspace is better now. And he's come to terms with the fact that he just was not good as a Yankee and he's not going to eat himself up mentally over that moving forward. Um, but you know, it's really hard for me to hear a guy like that talk about, how he feels like he let a fan base down. How he feels like he let a city down and obviously show the mental toll that that has taken on him. And for me to go on Twitter and still see this dude fucking blows, get him off my team. It's really hard. And Yankee fans have been dicks to Steven Kwan. They've been dicks to opponents. They've been dicks to Yankee players. Yep. Red Sox fans have been mean, horrible people to opposing players Phillies fans have booed (laughs) Alec Boehm to the point where he said, I fucking hate this place. I don't like the hate in baseball. I understand that you want to hold your guys to a high standard. But at the end of the day, I plead with you. Joey Gallo is a human being with human emotions. Acknowledge his human emotions. Thank him for trying his best. It's not like he was fucking loafing it for the Yankees for the last year.
1: Yeah, it's not like he wasn't hustling. I mean, I remember days of Robinson Cano barely ever running to first base, even though he was really good, but that almost pisses me off
0: more. No, it should piss
1: you off more. And there was no point where I thought Joey Gallo's not trying. There was points where I thought Joey Gallo couldn't hit water if he fell off a boat, and that's the reality of this situation. And you know what?
0: Say that guy sucks. Don't come after him every day, though.
1: That's my thing. I think that's fair, too, because it's not like you paid Joey Gallo a seven-year, $200 million contract, and you traded the entire farm to get him. Like, Need I remind you, we traded away Glenn Otto, who is currently on the Rangers with a ERA over five. Horrible. Ezekiel Duran looks like a decent player, but it's not like you lost much, and it's not like we were – requiring joey gallo to hit third in this lineup and we were all expecting him to hit 250 with 40 home runs we knew the profile coming over he's never going to hit really above 200 and he hasn't really done that in his career he gets on base that's what sort of he's done not even much this year not though. really yeah it yeah. just doesn't make sense in new york similar to Sonny gray and similar to a lot of players who just couldn't make it in new york
0: Listen, Joey Gallo is hitting a buck 60 with no power and the Yankees are still the best team in baseball. Exactly. That's why,
1: you know, we talked about it maybe a week and a half ago that I am much more worried about a role as Chapman than I was about Joey Gallo. Yeah. Because all yeah. as Chapman is going to be put in big time situations. Joey Gallo hits eighth against righties yeah. and he hasn't really ruined anything for the Yankees at all. So, yes, I agree. Level off him a little bit. But at the same time, he has been dreadful. Terrible. And that's how, he's been terrible. It. that's how I'll end it.
0: He's been terrible. He admits that he's been terrible. You can say that he's been terrible. Just don't come after him when he's gone. That's all I'm saying. And I really, really hope that he turns it on for another team. And I don't think Yankee fans will go after him after he's gone
1: because I think there's a, there's a, part of most yankee fans who understand he's probably going to be pretty good with somebody else it just doesn't work with us
0: yeah i i hear you um you found the guy who i think will be an immediate upgrade in andrew benintendi we can talk about went, benintendi who also
1: went 0 for 4 in his first game with the yankees who
0: went luck. 0 for 4 in his <laughs> first game but it was against his former team and brady singer made everybody go over 3 he looked great he looked man. awesome he looked awesome and the one mistake from royals pitching was a dick shot fastball in the bottom of the ninth. And Aaron judge sent it to the moon. Yeah. And
1: I was talking to uh, some of my Yankee fan friends and they are like, blank check, blank check this off season, And he's got yes. 39 home yes. runs and he's blank on check, pace. Dude. He's on pace for a lot. I just, I'm still scared of, I know he's his swing looks incredible it's just, it's hard for me to give him a 10 year deal. It's hard for me to give anybody a 10 year deal. So it's not that it's an Aaron Judge thing, even though he will be 30, and at the end of the contract, that he will be a 40 year old, and he is a six, seven outfielder who's of course, going to regress with age being that size and another guy who's dealt with injuries in the past. He's not crazy injury prone, but he's a six seven outfielder who runs around a lot. like that's that's prone for things that are unforeseen. Yeah, but I wouldn't give him a blank check, but it's hard not to call him one of the best players in baseball right now and the leading, player for MVP while Shohei strikes out 11 against the Rangers again six innings two runs he looks phenomenal Aaron Judge does and it's going to be a fight till the end and I can't wait
0: we were talking on the Thursday episode that the best hitter on the planet right now is not Mike Trout the best pitcher on the planet right now is not Jacob DeGrom I say Sandy you say Corbin Burns we both agreed that the best player on the planet is Shohei Otani best hitter on earth right now Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. I love that.
1: You know who might be though, still the best hitter on the planet. I mean, this guy has not slowed down one bit. Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. With his 201 WRC plus that hits a nuke. It feels like every day, too. Those two battling
0: it out in the ALCS. That is going awesome. to be must-watch TV. Yeah. I, I'm going to get to Houston in a moment here, but Benintendi, with Benintendi yes. on the Yankees, this is from Sarah Langs. The Yankees have three of the top 20 in Major League Baseball in lowest strikeout rate. The New York Yankees, the three true outcome team that is the New York Yankees, have DJ LeMay, who's got the 12th lowest K rate. Benintendi now, who's the 18th lowest K rate, And Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who's in the top 20 as well. So you can look at them and say, oh, they've got so many big guys. They sell out for power. Immobile Pop, Donaldson, Judge, Stanton, Gallo. That's what they've got. LeMahieu, Benintendi, and IKF to offset that right now. So the Yankees and Brian Cashman, I really think this year might be Brian Cashman's magnum opus. I think that this is his masterpiece. Um, And I thought that deadline deal for what they gave up, which by the way, wasn't much at all you got a high a starter in the mid threes high a starter in the high twos and a low a starter in the mid threes i mean i thought this was a win of a trade and i thought the yankees got the right guy
1: but at the same time we are the just baseball show we're not just going to talk about you know andrew benettoni the yankees it's great let's talk about those three pitchers because I don't think that the Royals did too bad either. I would honestly give the Royals maybe a B plus in this deal because you got Andrew Benatendi, who is a rental at the end of the day for three more lottery ticket type pitchers. But Beck way is a pretty good starter. We've talked about him before on this podcast and yeah, he's in the mid threes, but he's also a 22 year old in high a with really good stuff. He pitched really well at the Cape. He's got a solid fastball, really good slider too. Beck Way could be a good pitcher for the Royals one day, and then they also got TJ Sikema. I think that's how you pronounce it Sikema Sikema, or
0: is it, it Sikema on baseball reference? Yeah, I think it's it Sikama. was Sikema when he was at
1: Missouri. Yeah, he was a good pitcher at Missouri. The only problem is he's now a 24 year old in high A. He's dealt with a little bit of command issues because he's got a kind of a funky arm movement. But again, he's a guy who could probably slot into your bullpen in a year or so and not be too bad. Maybe a swingman type. I do think potentially he could be a major leaguer. The Yankees really liked him for a reason. And then also the last guy who I do think is a bullpen arm, but I could see as a big leaguer because he does have pretty solid stuff and he's six five. 220 pounds. He's a 23-year-old. He really didn't perform well in college, but the Yankees draft him in the ninth round because they really liked his stuff. And he's performed decently well in his time in the minors too. I think the Royals actually did a good job here. You got two months of Andrew Benatendi. You sold at top dollar because Andrew Benatendi is having the best year offensively that he's had in a very long time. He doesn't hit for much power. He's not the best defender in the world. I was listening to the Michael K show, calling him a gold glove level defender. I don't think he's a gold glove level defender. I think he's a fine defender. He's a bronze glove. Yeah. He's a bronze glove. If that, I mean, he's, he's a fine defender. That's I'd say he's around major league average in left field. He's a slightly above average outfielder. Maybe, maybe, and, but he's hitting 320, which is great, but that's the batting average. And then you look at kind of everything else, and it's solid. And you got him for a rental, and in the back end, what did the Royals
0: need? Pitching depth. And what did they get? Pitching depth. Okay. Now let me push back on that because you're right. Beckway is having a decent year. Chandler Champlain is, is a guy that is stuffed first. But Champlain has a 4.5 ERA as a 23-year-old in low A. Okay. And we know the Royals can't develop pitching. TJ Sikema, apparently, uh, that's what his pronunciation is on baseball reference. It was Sikema. Like last year, it was Sikema. I know. TJ <laughs> Sikema um, was the 38th overall pick by the Yankees out of Missouri in 2019. So far this year, two and a half ERA, but he's only thrown 36 innings. And again, he's a 24 year old in high A with injury concerns. And then Beckway is the highlight. He's about to turn 23 on August 6th, and he's got a high three ZRA in high A. So you got guys that are not as advanced as you would hope for them to be. Um, The Royals can't develop pitching. We've learned that. I think that the Yankees got away with one here. And you just look at where Pipeline had these guys in the Yankee top 30. It was what, like 21, 25, and outside the top 30? Yeah, I think it was 19, 21, and 29. Or yeah, outside the top 30, I think. Outside the Champlain. top 30, Champlain was outside the top 30. So you've got, column two guys outside the top 20 and one guy outside the top 30 for an all-star corner outfield rental. That makes me think it might be a buyer's market. I think that the returns might be a little bit lighter than we expect. I think
1: you may be right. Here's the way I look at it. I think Beckway will be a major leaguer. I think Sakema could be a major leaguer, and I think Champlain is a lottery ticket bullpen guy. And what did you give up for all of that? Andrew Benatendi, who yes is an all-star reliever, or excuse Warner me, outfielder. outfielder, but he wasn't going to was resign. He that good, and is he going to resign?
0: So I, I've heard that a lot from Yankee Twitter. I've heard that a lot from Yankee people. No,
1: Yankee Twitter is acting like he's Willie Mays. Are they? Yes. So, oh, yeah. He, My timeline is filled. I called Andrew Benintendi now the most overrated player in baseball. Okay, then I guess what it's the other guys.
0: Twitter. I guess it's the other guys then. I guess it's the national people. I see so many people on social media right now saying, is Benintendi even that good? And to that I say, he was an all-star this year.
1: Yeah, he had a really good first half. I don't think that we could just slap the all-star label on him and just call him a really good player. I think he's a I think he's a solid corner outfielder who gives the Yankees some depth in their lineup. I don't think he's going to be batting leadoff, you know, in the in game one of the ALDS or anything like that. I think he's probably going to be hitting seventh. You know. He doesn't have much pressure in Kansas City. He hits a lot of balls on the ground. I don't know how much the batting average is going to hold up to this point. I'm going to bring my expected stats in them. They don't like him. That's all I have to say. I'm not saying it's a bad trade. The Yankees won the trade. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is that I think the Royals did a lot better than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for. Yeah.
0: I I think we'll agree to disagree there. I think the Royals could have done better. I think the Royals...
1: I think, but this was the market for Ben Attendee. I think we're seeing what a lot of front offices evaluate Ben Attendee at. It's almost like the proof is in the pudding, right? The Royals probably accepted the best offer for Ben and this was probably the best offer. You could tell Brian Cashman probably called them an hour after that game against the Mets and said, all right, we'll add in that third starter. Let's get it done right now. And they were probably like,
0: great. Let's do it. It wasn't an hour. It was like 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that deal yeah, I mean, was done. Minutes. That deal was done 15 minutes after that game ended. He might be right. He might have called him. In inning. He, no, I mean like he called them as soon as that game <laughs> ended and he was like, fuck it. We'll do it. Here yeah. we go. <laughs>
1: That's what I'm saying. That's what it seemed like. Like Brian Cashman then went, okay, we will then add that extra guy. Yeah. I don't think he called him and said, well, have you mulled over our, our offer of their people? That's what it just seemed like that he said, all right, we're going to add the third starter let's yeah. get it done let's beat everybody else in this market and I feel like the market we just saw what it was for Andrew Benettendi. that's why I've been saying I want Ian Happ more and I kind of got not ran through the mud on Twitter for that but people did not agree with me that Benettendi is definitely better than Happ Happ has another year of control he's just a better overall player in my mind he adds more power but with the Yankees you know they could use another guy who doesn't strike out well Ian Happ does strike out a little bit more than him but I would have rather had Ian Happ and I think we're going to see Ian Happ's market unfold and
0: be much more expensive than a Benintendi would have but you have to um give up a greater return for Ian Happ so Cashman probably saved himself some pitchers that he really likes by going to get Benintendi instead of somebody else maybe to get a pitcher we shall see I want to get to pitching soon but first if Yankee Twitter is making Andrew Benintendi out to be Willie Mays Mets Twitter just asked why after they went and got tyler naquin tyler naquin is a 750 ops that is made of glass he cannot stay on the field but what he is is a bench bat a left-handed hitter with a 750 ops he is not going to help against left-handed pitching whereas which is where the mets need help um but you gave up two 18 year olds in the dominican summer league so it's okay um I think what they wanted to do there was go get offensive reinforcements. And I think they got solid offensive reinforcements in Tyler Naquin. And I guarantee you, Mets Twitter, after saying, this is stupid, why would we do this? In two weeks, when Tyler Naquin makes a diving catch and hits a double, they're going to say, wow, I love this Naquin guy. Where was he all my life?
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going to have that reaction because I don't know if he's going to be doing that kind of thing. he's 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 a below average player, an above average bench bat who adds another element to something that they already have, guys who can hit righties. They're one of the best offenses in baseball against right-handed pitching. What's their weakness? Lefties. What'd they do? At least their first two moves, added two more lefty bats who can't hit lefties. I just don't get it. And I was on Locked on Mets with Ryan Finkelstein, and I said I didn't love the Vogelback trade, and a lot of Mets fans said, we love the Vogelback trade. Look at what he can do. I said I wouldn't have given up that reliever for him, but it's not just that, it's what do the Mets need? They need bats that can hit lefties and they just added two lefties that can't hit lefties and I don't really understand it, but it's not my team. The Mets are going to do more. They're going to go do more. get. That's why but I mean what's the point? What are we doing here? They're just trying to add this great bench which I'm okay with. Like that's, you know, that's not a bad thing at all to just add to your bench. But I, my main point is if then they don't add a Wilson Contreras or a Trey Mancini guys who can really hit lefties. Then I think this is kind of a failed deadline unless they do something that we're not even thinking about, but as right now, they haven't been addressing their biggest need.
0: Yeah. Rental bench bat and a reliever for two 18 year olds. And deal is like a triple a reliever. Um, so you got a rental bench bat and a reliever for two 18 year olds. Vogelbach you got for a pop-up reliever who was really good this year in Holderman Um, current Indianapolis Indian shout out Colin Holderman but I mean like he popped up this year he was just fine before this year and now he's got a two ERA and 15 appearances I really think any major league reliever can have a two ERA and 15 appearances I think that everybody's that talented Um, Holderman obviously has some good stuff he's a big guy that's got a good slider Um, but Vogelbach especially with another year of control is going to help the New York Mets. They kept all of their prospects to continue to try and deal for Wilson Contreras or Trey Mancini. Yeah. I think they're good. sure. It's
1: fine. I mean, they're just making kind of moves to upgrade their bench. And I yeah. think that's what it is. But I don't want to hear all this slack about how these moves were great. I don't. No. Like, there's no way you could prove to me like what a deal by the Mets. Both of them. You can't no. you can't tell me that.
0: All right, you ready for my bold take on the weirdest fucking deal we're going to see? Yes. Uh, Ken Rosenthal on FS1 last night said to Chris Myers that the Astros are looking for a controllable catcher or center fielder, and they're willing to deal from their starting pitching depth to do so. Now, let me tell you this, because uh, I, I texted Arm that, and he said, oh, he said, Urkiti uh, for Danny Jansen." <laughs> and I was like, okay, um, that does not get me as fired up as my two that I threw out there. Two that I'm going to throw out right now. I don't think Aram actually met that. I don't think I so. I think either. that was
1: more just he's dissing Jose Urquidy, who did just pitch well against the Mariners in his fifth appearance against them this year.
0: Crazy. Jansen, he's him Danny so many Jansen's times. the best backup catcher in baseball, man. Uh,
1: you could say that. Yeah. I mean, technically, I mean, he's like the third catcher. Uh, third around.
0: catcher. Yeah. So might he's I pitch you this third? <laughs> um, I, I, I've got one that should make you laugh. And then one that's like, Jack, check yourself into the home. Um, okay. the first one, hear me out on Luis Garcia for Jonah Heim. <laughs> Just chaos. Luis Garcia. He's not going to be the odd huh. man out, but. You still have a four-man rotation. Again, McCullers has started a rehab assignment. He's working his way back. You could still be looking at a playoff rotation of Verlander, Valdez, McCullers, Javier, and still have Urquidy. Luis Garcia for Jonah Heim. It's in division. You might need to add somebody else. I don't think you do because Garcia is really good with a lot of control. Heim has turned up this year with a lot of control. I think it's a mutually beneficial deal because we know how bad the Rangers need pitching. And listen, I don't think Houston likes having Martin Maldonado out there beyond this year. Obviously, they love him defensively, but what can he do offensively? So I think that Luis Garcia for Jonah Heim could make some sense. Now, here's the one that should just throw you through the fucking washing machine. Okay. Okay. Gabby Moreno comes back from Toronto for Christian Javier.
1: No. Give me Moreno. I'm not the biggest Javier guy.
0: and, And I think that's unwarranted. I have no idea why you're not the biggest Javier guy.
1: He's been struggling a little bit more lately.
0: I'm going to his baseball reference.
1: Go to his baseball reference for a minute. Um, I mean, he's still got an era in the threes, but it wasn't in the threes not that long ago.
0: Christian Javier, in 88 in the third innings, a 326 ERA, six hits per nine, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine, three and a half walks per nine. A 339 FIP compared with a 326 ERA. Yeah. We'll see. See how it lasts. <laughs> we'll see how it lasts. I, I, I don't give understand up the hate Moreno for on Audi.
1: that deal. It's not that I hate him. It's not that's not no. That's, I don't
0: understand the hate for him. Like, I'm not saying you hate him, I don't understand oh. why you don't think he is as good as he is. I think he's a two pitch
1: guy, and I don't know. I mean, it's not again that take is biting me in the butt. I had two takes at the beginning of this year that I was like standing on that Ian Anderson would regress a ton, and that Christian Javier is not the next great starting pitcher for the Astros Ian Anderson is being correct. And Christian Javier has not been correct so far. I'd like to see Javier do it for this entire season. Then let's see how he does it in the playoffs. One thing I do know about Christian Javier, he is the Yankees father. The Yankees cannot touch him with a 10 foot pole. That's what I do know about Javier, Uh but I'm I'm just waiting. Let's see when it gets into August, September, October. Let's see how he performs. Let's see if he goes over 140 innings this year. I think it'll be interesting, and I think he could be due for some blow-up starts. I like Javier, but I don't think Luis Garcia. I think Luis Garcia is right there. I think Framber is better. I think Lance McCullers Jr. Framber is better. And, of course, Justin Verlander is maybe the best pitcher in the American League outside of Shane McClanahan. So... That's that's my take on Javier. I would rather have Moreno because I think over the long run, he will be better than Christian Javier because I think Javier is more of a four,
0: in my opinion. How about Luis Garcia and Hunter Brown for Gabby Moreno? That perks my ears. So there we go. Uh, By the way, Christian Javier, his fastball opponents are hitting 185 with an expected average of 185. Yeah, and slider. two pitch
1: guys have been good this year. Like a uh, Spencer Strider is is basically yes. a two pitch guy, but he's a hundred, and his slider is better than Javier's.
0: Javier opponents are hitting one fifty two against his slider with a one forty expected batting average. Yeah, two good pitches. See how it lasts. Okay. Um. Yeah, Luis Garcia, Hunter Brown for Gabby Moreno. I like that one. That one kind of fires me up.
1: But I mean, you could do Javier and Hunter Brown for Gabby Moreno. I think the oh. Astros
0: really like Javier. Maybe more than Luis Garcia. We'll see. Maybe they do. So that's that. We'll see. Um,
1: <laughs> I like this talk stuff.
0: What else? Can we, we at least to...
1: say Ian Anderson has something very good?
0: Ian Anderson has sucked so bad. Yeah. Five and a half.
1: Yeah. Not he, very good. Horrible. Which that's why the Braves should go get a starter at this deadline. Who? I've seen them connected to Luis Castillo. If they want to go win a World Series, you get Luis Castillo, you're right there. Yeah. I mean, the Mets are getting Jacob DeGrom back very soon. Max Scherzer, Chris Bassett, Towan Walker. It's a big foursome. Also, you got Strider, who is the leader for Rookie of the Year. But at the same time, Rookie, we'll see. Kyle Wright, first real season two. You have Max Friedlocking it down. But they could use, I mean, Charlie Morton is, again, 40 years old, but I'm not going to doubt Chuck Nasty. but at some point you have to think he's not the same chuck nasty i think if they get luis castillo they are right in the thick of it of the best teams in baseball and and have a chance to repeat
0: yeah atlanta would be very fun if they got a starting pitcher i we talked about this earlier this week though i just i feel like two bullpen arms for them is better than one starter just yeah but they they have so
1: much depth in that bullpen though so but i i don't i don't it depends on the starter and it depends on the bullpen arms i guess but yeah, yeah. we both are in the agreement that they could use some pitching
0: because they the offense is unreal they don't need offense they could use some pitching um speaking Maybe of pitching, a Robbie Grossman yeah why not speaking of pitching your five relievers that could be on the move that nobody's talking about
1: yeah so i have five relievers that nobody's talking about right now on teams that most likely will be trading at the deadline number one is anthony bass of the miami marlins he's been mentioned in trades but i don't think people understand how good he's been this year he's a 34 year old so you're not getting a young pup But he's got a 144 ERA this year with a 195 whip in 43 innings. He's pitched a lot this year and has been very good for the Marlins. He's striking out almost 10 guys per nine with less than two walks per nine. He's up to 97 with some run on his fastball, but he just doesn't have a lot of spin on it. But that doesn't, I mean, now I'm getting really deep in Anthony Bass, but Anthony Bass is a very solid believer for the Marlins. At number two, give me Sam Mole, who's a lefty for the A's. He's 30. But he's got a 171 ERA and a 335 FIP in 31 innings. He strikes out 10 guys per nine, but he also walks a ton. But the reason I like him, he's 92 to 93 miles per hour with the fastball, but he's in the 97th percentile in spin rate. It's tough to square this guy up on the A's. You know, a lot of people are talking about AJ Puck. Lou Trevino has been Lou the guy Trevino. who's been Lou Trevino has been yeah. the guy who's been one of their best bullpen arms for a while now, but he's been struggling. Sam Mole. I really like him for the A's. Another lefty, not Joe Mantiply with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but how about Kyle Nelson? He's a 26-year-old with a 176 ERA, 286 FIP. He's not the biggest strikeout guy in the world, but he doesn't really walk anybody either, and he's up to 94, 95. I like Kyle Nelson. Everybody's talking about Melanson. People are talking about Joe Mantiply, maybe others in that bullpen, but Kyle Nelson has been a very solid arm for them this year. Where did Kyle Nelson go to college? Kyle Nelson went to UCSB. That's why I know Kyle Nelson. Um, Alexis Diaz, who is at number four. He's a righty for the Cincinnati Reds. He's 25 years old. He's got a 191 ERA and a 355 FIP. He's got a nasty fastball slider. He's kind of got that whippy arm motion too. In the upper 90s, he strikes out 11 guys per nine, but he has a crazy walk problem. That's his his deal. He's not going to come in and be your closer or even your setup guy, but he's just a nasty righty that I think a lot of teams could use. And at number five, this guy is a workhorse. His name's Scott Efros of the Chicago Cubs. He's (laughs) 28 years old. I love this guy because I was a submariner in high school and he's a submariner too. He's got a 281 ERA with a 199 FIP. He's striking out almost 11 guys per nine and he's not really walking anybody. It's below two guys per nine. Scott Efros at 28 years old. He's been in some big time situations. He just had his first save opportunity and locked it down. I think he could be one of those guys who... You know, he's not the high velo righty, but he's not a lefty either. He could just add some depth to a contender's bullpen, a different kind of
0: arm angle.
1: So those are the five relievers I'm looking at on teams that will be selling at the deadline.
0: Scott F. Frost has been climbing the Cubs minor league ranks since 2015 at Indiana. Mm-hmm. He was drafted out of IU in 2015. He started in short season, a ball. He made his debut in 2021. It was a long road for him. He uh, readjusted his delivery. Um, he's always been a reliever. He's figured out what's works, and now he's got a 272 ERA. I really like those names that you threw out there because I think that a lot of guys are not necessarily um, going to have the name recognition that are moved over the weekend as yeah. others will. Like I think everybody, when they hear bullpen arms, they're like, Oh, I want Daniel Bard. Oh, yeah. I want Jorge Lopez with Baltimore or even Mantiply. Like Mantiply was an all-star. So Joe Mantiply yeah. has some name recognition now. But when you get Kyle Nelson and you needed a left-handed reliever, it's okay that that's not Tyler Matzik. It's okay yes. that that's not Jake Diekman. Kyle Nelson has a sub-2 ERA and 35 appearances. So there are going to be some guys that are on the move this weekend and next Monday and Tuesday morning that you're going to say, who are they? Who's coming yes. to my favorite team? Just go on baseball reference. Just look at them because chances are like they're good. There are a lot of good players on bad teams. And yeah. while there are a bunch of Luis Castillo's and there are a bunch of Frankie Montases, there are also some Jose Quintana's who's going to throw for the final time as a pirate, it sounds like. So um, I, I do think that there is a lot to be had here. Um, I think that there are going to be minor improvements. Obviously, the big fish are going to land at some point. Castillo, if Montes goes, if Sean Murphy goes, Wilson Contreras, any Hap go, like those are going to be the big moves, but there are going to be a lot of small moves and you can keep up with all those at justbaseball.com. We're going to have a trade tracker. This is going to be a big weekend and early week for justbaseball.com.
1: Should we end it with Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds? Oh, 512 foot home run. Reds fans prepare for the next O'Neill Cruz. This guy is crazy talented, and he you know he, I'm not going to say he looks more well put together than an O'Neill Cruz, but I don't think that's too far off of the thing to say.
0: He is young. Um, yes. What he does have are, and I think Aram said, hey, I, I'll pull up Aram's tweet, but what Ellie De la Cruz does is a, a switch hitting O'Neill Cruz. He runs fast as hell, throws the ball incredibly hard from the left side of the infield. He hits 512-foot homers. Uh, I mean, he is a freak of nature. And I'm pulling up Arm's tweet right now um, because he said it better than I could. Ellie De La Cruz hit a homer 512 feet today, his first homer at the AA level. Don't know what to say other than the fact that this kid is capable of things few are on the baseball field. We're starting to see more than one unicorn. And the whole thing about unicorns, like, yeah, they have one horn, but the whole thing about unicorns is like, they are one of a kind. They are an anomaly. Now the anomaly is not becoming the majority, but there are more popping up. Bubba Chandler has got a 550 slugging and he's, you know, striking out like 12, 13 guys per nine in low A. He's a two-way player for the Pirates. Mason Wynn is throwing balls 100.5 miles an hour across the infield. Um, And then you look at O'Neill Cruz- you look at Ellie de la Cruz. How about the kid for the Diamondbacks double A affiliate that hit a ball like 570 feet? You see that? Wait a minute. What did you just say? Yeah, you didn't see this?
1: No. A, a kid in the double A affiliate for the Arizona Diamondbacks hit one
0: 570 feet, 7 0.
1: Yeah. You um, have to be
0: lying to me. Uh 527. Sorry. Oh, uh Jesus. Leandro Sidano crushes 527 foot Homer. Now, granted, it's an Amarillo, and that is like playing in zero gravity compared to Chattanooga. Like 512 in Chattanooga is way more impressive than 527 in Amarillo, but 527 is
1: 527. 527.
0: I mean, these guys are in the minor leagues.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we haven't voice. even mentioned a guy like Sam Huff for the Texas Rangers, too, who hits, I feel like, 502 every single, I mean, not every single day, of course, now I'm being crazy, but, yeah, I mean, he's a guy got- who's hitting 500 home runs, foot home runs for them, too. There's a lot of talent in the minor leagues, and it's so much fun to watch.
0: There's got a lot of good players down there. A lot of good players. That's why you should be listening to the call-up. Talk about them. So, yep. that's that. All right, get your plugs out of the way, man.
1: Yeah, if you're interested in in more prospect talk, go check out the call up. That's Armand Jack's podcast talking MLB prospects. Ev- what is it? Three days a week? Four days a week? Uh, three, three days a week. Um, on not gambling advice, my podcast. We're doing less fantasy, more MLB best bets. So you got a ten minute episode every single day, basically going over the picks for today as well as the Prize Picks slate. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy app where you can parlay MLB player props. That link is in our episode description. If you want a full deposit match to play it, they'll match it up to $100. That is in the episode description. Also, you guys know the rules. Go follow us on social media, of course. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please give us a five-star review. Let us know what you're liking. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit us with a like, hit us with a comment of what you want to see more of. And of course, press that subscribe button. And we'll be doing a break with the Wild Cards trading team. On August 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern on whatnot. There's a free ten dollar gift card in this episode description as well. If you want to come, and if you don't want to buy anything, no worries at all. Just come watch us break cards. It's gonna be a ton of fun. The app is free. The break is totally free to come watch. You don't want to spend any money, no worries at all. Just come watch. We're gonna be having a ton of fun talking about more
0: prospects. Hope everybody has a good weekend. Hope you have a good weekend, Jack. you calling Thanks, a game man. tonight. Uh, I am. You got you got tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. You got Torkelson all weekend. We'll report back on Tork on Monday. So that'll be that. Um, that. Thank you, everybody, yeah. and happy trade season.